Go on in. Go on in. Let's go. Let's be having you. <laughs> so, Joe, I was weak. We're back with a new podcast, mate. Oh, yeah, it's good, mate. Uh, glad to be back and uh, chatting to my favourite Dutch triathlete. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I thought. Uh, anyway, I had some really good feedback on the first podcast, so uh, I think that Mike is already paying you back a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It was a good idea getting that. Good good decision, mate. I should listen to you more often. Yeah, that. Um, I mean, our, uh, our voice was like two, two little birds, wasn't it? Yeah, sweet sound of a bird in the morning, mate. Let's uh, start with a little recap of our uh, week. I'll uh, I'll kick it off. I've I've finished this week on a high. Uh, last Saturday, I uh, went to the swim club with the kids and um, the coach yeah, did a little video analysis. So he videotaped me while I was swimming, and uh, I got out and uh, because he wanted to analyze the videos with me, and uh, he started crying, and he said, "Tom, do you really think uh, swimming is something for you?" <laughs> so <laughs> I said, yeah, I really uh, need need to get this going and uh, see uh, if I can finally improve my swimming. So then we did a little, we uh, analyzed the swim a little bit and he gave me some really useful tips. So that was one high. And that, that, that day it, I continued. So I came home. I was really tired because it was a two hour swim. I had to do a three hour ride and a 30 minute run off the bike. But first I thought I need to like mentally recover a little bit. So I went for a little nap. That nap got out of hand and I woke up 3 p.m. And I was like, oh, God, I still still need to do the three hour ride. And I went on the trainer. And uh, after I finished three hours on the trainer, I knew I was mentally ready again for this season. So a three hour ride on the trainer and a, a 30 minute run off the bike. And I think that fits perfect into this subject of the week. Where we're going to talk about how we are mentally wired. What, <laughs> yeah, listening to that mate? story of you then, I was like thinking, where's he going with this? Like, it felt like you were telling me <laughs> your life story or something. Like, <laughs> No, it was just it was just a day. It's because... Um, a year of, in the life of Tom. <laughs> I know. This is going to be a one-hour podcast, isn't it? Well, seriously, um, if you want to ride indoors, you need to be mentally re- really fresh. At least I am. So I'm too I'm, mentally weak, mate, to ride indoors. Really? Like, I tried it the other day and lasted six minutes and had to get off and go out in the rain. Like, and that was bad, but like, it was slightly less bad than being on there. I just couldn't do it. It's like, I find with anything, like for me, riding indoors is like swimming. You know, if your tolerance in swimming pool is like 2K swim sets or uh, swimming 200s, trying to do a 400 meter rep or a 3K swim set feels like you're trying to swim around, swim the English Channel. Yeah, and it's the same with Swift, you know, you get used to riding like 30 or 40 minute rides and like, it's really hard to do an hour, but once you do it, it's all right, you know. Um, But yeah, I just find it. You know, how, how it works for me, if I take a little nap, this time it was a long nap, I'm mentally so fresh and I've built up guilt because I wake up 3 p.m. I'm like, oh my God, I need to do it. I really need to do it right now because if I don't do it now, then the day will be over and it will be tomorrow. And if you, I mean, an age grouper can't really do this. They can't really say, hey, uh, sup boss, um, as you know, I'm training for an Ironman and I'm going to take a nap right now for three hours because I've got a session on the indoor trainer. So I think this is a trick that works personally for me, but I wouldn't say it would work for the majority of the people because, of course, we pro triathletes have loads of time to spend in our beds. Yeah, now um, they're indoor rides. They're good for like when the weather's terrible, aren't they? You know, they've got a means to an end, don't they? You know, like when the weather's terrible, you can kind of get it done, can't you? But, you know, when it's sunny, you, you're obviously going to want to ride outdoors, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah. yeah I can't what's like, what's, uh, your, what's your high of the week then? Um, that was my high of the week, man. That was your high. That was your high. Yeah. I've got high and a low. 
What really? do you want to hear? What what you can well, both. Pick, go you on in. Both. Yeah. Well, my high today was uh, smashing uh, a, a really good swim set for me. You know, bearing in mind I swim like Eddie the Eel. If you don't know who he is, uh, Google him. Like uh, swimmer that like barely made a hundred meters in the Olympics. That's that's what I'm normally like, and uh, got a PB swim set for this time of year. Uh, so that was a massive high for me. Doing a threshold set and nailing some good times. And my low was having to set my alarm or Laura setting the alarm for 5.45 a.m. this morning so we could get up and start painting a layer of paint in the kitchen before the kitchen fitter come at nine o'clock. And uh, I hate getting up early. I never get up early for training. So getting up early to paint the whole kitchen was uh, a big low for me. (laughs) I can understand it must be a double low because the kitchen not being finished and you're not being able to grab all the food out of it. It I know, mate, and you know what I'm like. Devastating. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah there's one way to get to race weight mate not being able to cook anything uh that's true you'll be uh you'll be skinny uh before you know it i'll be as light have, as you soon have you uh oh <laughs> well uh you need to eat a few dinner kebabs to get to my weight right now because <laughs> um, they make you sick <laughs> sick and uh i would say i wouldn't uh, i was uh, running today uh and walking through the city in shorts because i've got so much I would call it extra skin, like spare skin that will keep me warm through the winter. So, um, yeah, kind of like it now, but I need to lose a little. So I couldn't, I, I could, uh, I could use some uh, maintenance in the kitchen. Have you, um, have you seen the races of last weekend, Joe? Have you been keeping up? Yeah. Yeah. So, yet? um, Ironman California was, uh, a massive disappointment, wasn't it? You know, like, uh, with the race getting canceled, I was absolutely gutted. I was looking uh, forward to it but in the end it turned out to be less exciting than a 70 year old on viagra so uh a massive low <laughs> it was a massive low <laughs> no, I, I, they um so a big storm rain wind um i think it was the right decision from iron man to cancel the race still it was a pity we had an do you awesome think it was the right decision then for them to cancel it do you, well, do you think it was I, like You've got like so many uh, age groupers. But what about some for the pros? Are... Like maybe for the age group. Mm. What do you think for the pros though? Because I'm in two minds about this. Of like... course, there is no one there that's like, oh yes, we've got a, a race that's not going ahead. Everybody wants to race, but I don't think it's wise to race if you're ended up at the end of the race having like five people that didn't make the finish line but or like, at all, um, like went to the hospital I've or I've got like uh, death. You a know? couple of different ideas that I thought that like Man could do on this. So like, first of in. all, Delay the race for three or four hours for the, you know, for the pros, you could see if the weather uh, gets better. If not, plan B could be, uh, was a plan B and a plan C. Plan B could be um, (laughs) that you um, put the race on tomorrow, you know, like the next day, you know, that might not be a a possible, obviously, with road closures. Exactly. Um, I think that's the problem. But then plan C could be in this day and age, you could do the swim, say, in something uh, in like, say, the pool. You know, the next day, because all the pros are going to be there still. So you could say to them, look, guys, what we're going to do is we've got a new situation. So at 6 p.m. tonight or 5 p.m., you know, we're going to do a 3.8 kilometer swim. It might start, say, like 3 p.m., you know, so you can get eight people at a time. So once, say, even from 2 p.m., so once they're done, next people go. So you all do your 3.8K swim timed. And then the next day, on the Sunday, you do a 112-mile ride, but you could do it on Zwift or you could do it on Be Cool or, you know, one of these indoor platforms where you all get on there and you start in the order of what the swim time was. So like, say the first person to swim will start the bike first, second and that, and you could get it. So it's obviously like in non-drafting format, like, you know, 
if you're on a TT bike on Zwift, you can't draft. So it's like that. And then straight away after the ride, you do a run and they could easily pick the route. You know, uh, it could even be like a short looped course, you know, like one mile or a two mile if they couldn't get a big course. But they could easily do that. And I'm sure if they did the bike and the run the next day, they could get uh, hold of some kickers and stuff to do it on. The whole problem is um, triathlon racing is a commercial sport. It's not like, um, I mean, it gets paid by the age group. So yeah, but they've not... already taken the money. So it doesn't I, matter. True, like, true. There's, but there's no, there's no extra debt. Uh, uh, I, I don't think there's an extra incentive for Ironman to But how many people were pros? wanting to watch this race? Like, I was so excited to watch this race. I had it saved on my phone to watch, so it would give me a notification when the coverage started. And I was absolutely livid to, <laughs> to find that the race didn't go ahead. I was gutted because I was really looking forward to that. I want to see Gustav and but Jan go head-to-head. -head. I want to see loads of the others. I, I was gutted for everybody, but can you imagine being, I mean, it's a pity for Jan Frodeno, but the man has enough coin. He can, like, literally swim the 3.8K in it. Um. I was thinking about what if you're like a beginner pro for a triathlete or a mid-pack pro triathlete, you don't have really great sponsors. You saved up a lot of money to travel to the US, booked an Airbnb, and the race is not going ahead. Oh, mate. He, they're probably not able to book a ticket to, for example, Mexico to do Cozumel or uh, Florida. It's um, For them, it's like really, oh, I mean, it's their job. Massive. So. Like uh, That's what me and my friend were talking about this earlier. Like Imagine if you were like, you know, back when you were starting you'd be screwed wouldn't you you know you literally wouldn't be able to afford to do another race you know i was like thinking god like i'm pleased i didn't go and do it because i was i was at one point thinking of doing it and i'd have been absolutely devastated but like you say you're a beginner pro you put all your eggs in that basket like um i was riding with a friend today and he said that a british guy andrew horsefall turner was uh put all his eggs in that basket and hasn't got any more money now to do another race i don't know how true that is but if it is it's such a sad situation that you know a young pro put all his money in that basket to race california he's a really good swimmer so he's hoping to get out of the water at the front and then can't race anymore because he's got no more money to do another one because that one gets cancelled that's why i was thinking like if you could do some kind of virtual race the next day it's not great but at least it gives people a chance to like race for some money you know like i mean mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's as good as racing on the roads but like if it's if if i was there and it was an option of like not racing the race is going to get cancelled or do it virtually like that i would 100 percent take them up on virtual race you know like i, I you put well, all your training and everything don't you for it what if you were an age grouper and i mean you've got a family you've got your job and if you're training for an ironman and you're working 40 40 plus hours a week that takes its toll doesn't it like for a year you can commit to it but multiple years it's really hard people uh, i mean if you're a wife to somebody that's training for an Ironman, they suffer under under it. So they go out to California. The wife's like, oh, my God, I'm so glad it's over. We're going to cheer him on this weekend, and then it's all over. And then the race gets canceled, and he's got it. But then he's like, oh, we need to go again in 2023. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> he's probably glad because he gets to train for another one, but she's probably not seen, please. <laughs> no, but honestly, you come out there with the whole family uh, – tickets airbnbs it's just um it's just gotten for everyone but yeah i mean when the forecast we all knew the forecast was going to be bad like a week in advance like i remember seeing people posting up on the monday tuesday before the race saying the weather looks terrible for it mm -hmm. so if they had an idea that the forecast was going to be that bad why couldn't they just move the race like a day earlier or a day later you know like like i, I don't i mean maybe not a day later because it would have been a monday wouldn't it but you know potentially like can you do it but it makes you i i think race organizers need to have a, some kind of plan b now, in case stuff like this does happen and maybe try and look at like having some kind of virtual setup as a plan B in case it doesn't. I and mean, people can choose whether or not they want to do it. If you don't want to do it, you know, just 
get it deferred, you know, whatever, but like some kind of like plan B, especially for the pros, you know, who put everything in, can't race for any money, you know, it's not expect, it's not cheap mm-hmm. to fly from Europe to, to America, is it for it? True, true. Another race that did go ahead this weekend was uh, Ironman 70.3 Cascais in Portugal. Have you been following that, Joe? I did follow that, yeah. I, I did follow that race. And uh, first of all, Magnus Ditlev, who uh, won the men's race, what that was an awesome result from him. Like I think that's his best result today because the uh, he had a great run. I thought I saw him like leading off the bike and, I, and he only had a minute and a bit lead. I thought he was going to get run down. I think he had less than a minute to Casper Storns. Johnny Brownlee was right behind him. And have I thought, oh. have you seen that the difference between I think one and six was something like two minutes? Between yeah, top one six minute or... forty I can see between first and six. Like it's crazy. And six isn't it? was Johnny Brownlee as well, Olympic gold medalist as well. You know, like no slouch. Been smashing it in Super League and he gets six. And he was in second or third up until five k to go. So he blew up a bit with five k to go and finishes six. You know. You don't often get that, but for Magnus Ditlev to hold Johnny Brownlee off for just over a minute when he's not even considered as a runner, he's like people were saying that he was a poor runner. So it just shows, you know, like he ran really well. Awesome result. The the level of pro racing the last two years has gone up insane. I remember when I started doing triathlon in 2017, I did 70.3 Barcelona as my first uh, um, triathlon. And I remember, I mean, of course, Jan Ferdino was there. I think he ran something like a 112. Um, but I think everybody ran around 115, maybe 120, some maybe 114. But if you ran under 114, it was a really good time. Whereas now, if you look at the times, everybody in the in the top 10 is not running slower than 112. It's like the slowest time, isn't it? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And um, also, they're biking hard as well. Like, I think the standard on the bike's gone up a lot more. So they're running faster, but they're pushing a lot more watts on the bike as well, generally. Like it's just mm-hmm. gone up all round, like the whole standard. I met my first race, uh, big pro race, um, uh, long distance one was Barcelona in 2012. And I remember doing that, didn't have a power meter on, so no idea what I was pushing. But I remember riding, like, you know, what that course is like, them roads, they're mm-hmm. absolutely rapid, aren't they? And, um, a sub a 4 30 bike time on that course back then was like really fast, you know. And, uh, yeah, I remember started off biking long. I was, I said to my friend for the race, like, he was a pro, Paul Hawkins from uh, Manchester. And I said to him, I want to bike 430. He goes, you won't bike 430. You'll never bike 430. You know, that's a really fast time. I said, well, I think I can do it because, like, I went out on the roads and they feel really fast. But, you know, I was kind of thinking, oh, maybe it is a bit too quick. But, you know, I remember starting off and I was riding, like, 40, 41 Ks an hour, so just under 430 pace. And he came up to me while in the race and said, what are you doing? You're going way too hard. You're going to blow up. <laughs> I was like, well, it doesn't feel too hard. But I did. I ended up biking under 430 and uh, a few of us got off in the lead. One guy had like a decent lead. He had about six minutes on us. I think I must have biked about 425 in the end, maybe 426. Around that kind of time anyway, which at, back but, then. But was... even in, in um, yeah, it really depends on the course as well. But over the last, you need like in a full distance on a fast course, you need to ride. Oh, yeah. On that course, you'd be, to, you'd, be, you'd be over under 45 now on that course. Like if Definitely, you did that, uh... like, so, you know, it was 20 minutes quicker. But that was quick then. And I remember getting off the bike and running. I had like... Uh, some crappy stopwatch like it didn't even tell me distance like or anything there was distance markers out but i remember like running back in the days yeah this is back it wasn't even that that. didn't even have smartphones back then. i know like well i remember right i was running i got off the bike i was in fifth place and i was thinking oh this is really good like i can't believe i'm this far up the field bearing in mind this is my first ironman the only reason i ended up doing it is because i forgot my passport and missed the last race of the year so i ended up turning up to this race like unannounced 
Um, anyway, I'm in fifth place and we're in a group that was really good. There was a pack of like five or six of us and we were all running together. And I was with Stephen Bayliss, who like at the time was like the British, best British long distance triathlete. And I was getting all excited, you know, like, oh, I'm with Stephen. Like, this is all going perfectly to plan. Like, um, I wonder when it will get hard. And I just kept running along, running along, got to like lap three. I think it was uh, four laps, uh, that course. So I was, I was, this is coming up to like 30K. And I ended up pulling away from some people faded just gradually as it went on. And I ended up getting into about second place, just coming to the end of lap three. Like, so the other guy, I pulled away from the others without really trying. And we were closing in on first place. And I thought, oh my God, this is so easy. I'm going to win this race. I'm going to smash it. <laughs> and then in the space of 5Ks, it was like the batteries went out in me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a bit, What I, I can't believe how bad I'm feeling now, but Back then, you didn't know how much to eat or drink or anything. So, I, and I remember the age that the the uh, the race didn't even have gels. All they had was really? energy bars, and the energy bars were disgusting. They were so hard to eat. So, I barely had any energy bars, <laughs> and the batteries just came out of me. And I was like, "Oh no, I, I need to get a result. Like, I need some money from this race." So, uh, I just <laughs> I just like managed to just gut it out, finished in fifth place. But I I feel like I was so close at the time to winning that. Um, the guy that ended up winning it, Bastida, and went on to win like. Some it's quite big guy. races in the end. Yeah, is he? He's Dutch, is he? Yeah. yeah he, oh, right. Yeah, he won like Ironman Frankfurt and uh, yeah. some big ones. But that was his first big win. But that was like, uh, really? that was my first uh, pro Ironman race. I still remember it. It was actually great fun. I'd love to go and race. Like, I wish I was like as fit as what I am now and with the setup I had and just could turn up for that race <laughs> now. <laughs> but yeah, it was well, great. Going back to uh, Ironman. Back before we go. Yeah, go off too much. <laughs> Um, so yeah, anyway, second place, Aaron Royal. Looks like it was his first 70.3. Well, first one I'm aware of anyway. So 43 seconds back, 111. And then another Dutch guy, not the one you mentioned last week, but another one. There was obviously something good in the water. I know. Him. He also ran in 109, fastest run of the day. And it's a uh, legit course. What's he called? I mean, Koolhaas. I, I, Menno Koolhaas. Yeah, they, uh, I don't know what they're uh, having Can for breakfast. Can you give Tom some uh, tips, Mano? Uh, yeah, <laughs> give Tom I, I'm some having tips. different he stuff here in the Netherlands. <laughs> I need some run tips. I mean, like we said last week, 109, even without the swim and bike, it's just um, Maybe he could crazy. give you some of his tap water, like come round and de deliver it. You know, like them smoothies you get. You need to be you need to be eating and drinking <laughs> what, what, what he's drinking, mate. Like <laughs> honestly, honestly, really impressive. And um, But everybody in the top 10 running under 112. I mean, it's my Bart first Ennis. pro year. What about that? Even, a week after an Ironman, mate, tenth place, one twelve run, but like four minutes down, not too far behind, but still only got tenth place, but like pretty deep, pretty solid considering that. Um, exactly. One name that stands out for me is Tom Davis. Like, man, like if you if 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 you want to know uh, anything about mechanicals, oh, follow his Instagram, man. I swear he has like <laughs> more he has more mechanicals than we have hot dinners. Um, it's punches, uh, mechanicals. Yeah, he's ha really having some uh, loads of bad luck this year, doesn't he? Yeah, not sure if he's forgot his passport to any races, but I can help him out with some tips on that. Like, I forgot that a few times. <laughs> like, we can complete, complete that. Can you forget your passport? <laughs> well, um, I said to so him, though, like, I think part of his problem is because I saw this race, right? And he had a pretty, like, he didn't have anything go wrong in this race. So that's one thing for him. He had a good swim. His bike let him down. I liked Tom. You know, I messaged him on his Instagram the other week and said, like, you know, I think you need to like race a bit, you know, call it a day after this one, just get some training because it comes to a point where if you're racing like every two weeks and you're tapering and then getting back into it, even if you have a mechanical or whatever, something stops it, you've still tapered for that race. So you've still lost like six or seven days of proper training where you would normally. So you might be fresh and he's probably thinking he's fresh because he keeps tapering for all these races. 
mm-hmm. then it comes to a point where if you keep tapering for races every two weeks and you've and it goes over for like a four month period, if you actually I, look at the consecutive weeks you have in training, you've actually done this like is, no training. This so. is also the problem. What I told you at the beginning of this year, we went to Dubai originally because we wanted to race Ironman Texas. And we had to go to Dubai because in that way we could travel to the US without um, being forced with the uh, the travel ban. So, but then I'm in Texas got cancelled and we did the Florida 70.3, Hain City and uh, Galveston 70.3. But we tapered twice for that. And I wanted to race a full distance um, the end of May in Girona. And I ended up tapering so much that you kind of start to lose fitness. Yeah, and them so, races were together, so it wasn't even that bad. Like, that's just basically one taper. But you imagine throwing in, like, another half, three weeks after that one in uh, Florida, and then another one two weeks after that, and then doing a full. Yeah, crazy. You know, you've literally done, like, no training. That's that's part of the problem. Like, I think sometimes it gets to the point where when you, haven't, when you have a couple of races like that and they get disrupted because of mechanical or something, you kind of just need to think, all right, that's that block done. I need to get some decent training in and then go for another one because I think – Part of the reason last year he did really well in Daytona. He was like, I don't know, seventh or something like that. Or I don't know, maybe it was 12th in the end, but he was like up there, top three, top mm-hmm. four for ages. He it was even leading at one point. Exactly. I think part, so he's obviously got the talent. And I think part of the reason was there was nothing to mess it up beforehand. There was no other races to taper for. So we got a really consistent blocking, got in some good shape, did Daytona, was in great form. And for him, that race last year, I think was a, a really good uh, performance. You know, like it was close mm-hmm. in the end. He was only probably a minute and a half from like getting a top five. Um. And I think he needs to think, how did I get in that form in Daytona? I did a really good training block and he needs to go. I saw he's rented Daytona again this year and I feel like, oh, no, Tom, don't do it. Just get some <laughs> training in, get two months of good training in or three months. And if you really want to do a race, do an early season one. Um, All right. Yeah. Tom yeah. Davis, this uh, advice from Joe is uh, for free. Um, but you can ask me any sure. question. I... You can ask me any question. 15 bucks a month, sign up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here to answer if you pay me. <laughs> I think Joe's referring to the new app that's being uh, promoted by loads of professional triathletes that you're able to ask some questions for a coin. Uh, whereas uh, I think the questions I ask you are still for free, right? Well, uh, uh, now I'm thinking about it. If everyone else is charging, I think I need to get on this. So, you know, be careful how many you ask me, otherwise I may have to uh, start charging. And I'll, <laughs> I will get an app. I will take Apple Pay as well. All right. <laughs> The women's field in 70.3 Keskes, there was also some female racing going on. Um, yeah, so um, um, I don't know how to say the, uh, that first woman's name, um, something Pierre. Uh, anyway, Pierre. she smashed it. It's, she French. it's French. French, Pierre. yeah. How, what is it? Marjolaine Pierre. All right, there we go. I've had French for two months, so I know how, how, how to speak French. Baptista, second, 117 run, mate. She's killing it. That's crazy, isn't it? For, uh, I mean... I haven't run that in half. One seventeen. Julie Deron, one nineteen third. But anyway, looking at this, fifth place, Lucy Hall. She was smashing it for loads of it. Unfortunately for her, run a one thirty one. That's she. She she'll be kicking herself for that. She's there. I saw she's podiumed in every single race she's done this year. So first one not on the podium. Looks like it was may have been one race too many. But like if she'd have done only a one twenty one, which she's easily capable of, she'd have won that. She'd have dusted them all off. But unfortunately, she didn't. But I wouldn't say look. Like when you look at the women's field, there's, there's, the gaps are just huge, aren't they? You know, we said about like 10th place, Bart Ennett's four minutes down. 10th place in the women's, 21 minutes basically down. Mm-hmm. Like it's just crazy. Like that's I almost mean, the whole swim. Sixth place, 14 minutes down. One minute it was in the men's. You know, there, there needs to be a bit more strength it's just in depth. The, 
yeah, strength and depth is just um, uh, different in the women's field. But do you think um, that Ironman then should be hosting less female racing so the fields will be stronger? Or what do you think? I don't know. I just, like, if you do too little, like, I mean, probably if you wanted to get stronger fields, you need to do less less of them. But then obviously you're going to get more male fields and like people kick off because they'll be saying it's not fair. You've got more male races than you have females. So like, mm -hmm. you know, that would get some backlash. But if you wanted more strength and depth, then that's the only way you can do it because just supply and demand, isn't it? You know, not not that I'm um, um, one thing that sometimes um, I wouldn't say bother me. But what I think if you've got a race with that would pay down to 10th, for example, and you've got. 40 males on the start list with the same amount of prize money as a female field with only four or five people on the start list. And I'm exaggerating, exaggerating a little bit, but this is what has happened in a few races that you only need to finish as a girl to get in the prize money because they're not enough on the start list. Yeah, I've seen that. And Ironman keep the money as well. Whereas like you would think that they would take the redistribute the money amongst like you may maybe the men if there's more men than there is uh if there's more less to not enough females for the prize money like you know say some races they pay down to 10th and i've seen it only like five females so you know you finish and you mm -hmm. get like three or four thousand dollars and that's not bad then in the men's one there's like 30 or 40 people you'd think that they would take the money and think right from six to 10 for x amount of dollars we'll redistribute that in towards the men's one you know because uh yeah you could finish in some of these races like i've seen but you finish 10th place in the men's or 11th and you get nothing and like you know um you've actually had quite a good performance but just like in the men's field the uh level of the females is going up by loads as well i mean how many fem there are loads of females nowadays running under 120 and a half and uh a couple of them even running strongly under three hours like 250 and oh, yeah, i think any hog ran something like 242 mate uh, tamara jewett were in a 113 yeah, the other week One, it's crazy two and it? a bit like, minutes slower than the fastest man that's really, That's like really crazy. But looking at this one, Kim Morrison, 11th place, like she's actually a local triathlete to me, um, based in Norwich and uh, or in Norfolk. She ran a 140. And I think, Kim, like if you're listening to this, if you do hear it, you like just work on your running, you know, like I just see it all the time. And like she's been with two coaches now. I've seen her, some of her training on Strava um, and Kim. You just need to do some speed work. Like I've seen it. Just get down the track, mate. Like we only live 25 <laughs> miles away. You will come down. There's some. There's some lads that would push you. You know, along. And I think, like, you know, I've seen some of our sessions, like twenty mile run a week before an Ironman, and I just think, oh God, you know, if I did that, I'd be cream crackered, mate. You know, for the race, like, you know, just hit us up, come down the track, and come and join us. You will be running quicker than a one forty. You know, I I swear, like, give it six months to come and do an our tempo and track sessions. You'll be running one twenty five off the bike. You know, and I'm not even a coach, and I can guarantee you that. This advice was for free as well. That advice was for free. <laughs> But All if right. you ask me what I'm doing in the session, it will cost you. And enough about the racing this weekend. Uh, let's get towards the main subject of the week. This week, we're going to talk about mentally wired um, and specifically how Joe and I are mentally wired, I think, uh, because it might it, it's different for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And um, I've got a little story again now. I might go off on a bit of a tangent about my first experience of where I had, where I realized the, how much of an impact the mental aspect of triathlon has and um that was when i was doing a local 10 mile running race this is back in like probably 2014 something like that maybe even earlier i don't know but at least seven years ago i'm pretty old so like you can't blame me for having a dodgy memory um <laughs> and <laughs> i remember like i was doing a 10 mile running race it was uh winter one beckles turkey trot 
and uh what, what been... is, i think um we uh, as listeners didn't really hear what you say what kind of run it was a 10 mile running race and it was called the beckles and bungie turkey trot it's a local right. one right. <laughs> and uh i had been training hard going into it and uh i remember one of the guys was from like city norwich running club local guy he was like pretty quick and uh Started off and I was running with him and I'm, my legs felt terrible. You know, back then we, I was training a bit too hard. You know, we were doing like a speed session on a Tuesday, tempo threshold, run off the bike on a Thursday, which was way too hard, you know, like threshold efforts. And then we'd do eight to 10 miles of threshold run effort straight off the bike, like killed us Thursday evening. So then I had like two days recovery and then I did this run. Uh, so it was way too much, you know, like stupid training. Um, and then my legs felt terrible. And uh, I started off like 520 something mile pace and I ended up running with this guy and um i think i can't think what his name was now i think it was Stu. so i was running with Stu. we'll call him Stu anyway uh it might have been it might not have been it was something like that and it got to four miles in and i thought oh my god like my uh no it wasn't it was carl that was his name i was running with carl four or five miles in legs his last felt... name was Stu. carl sue <laughs> carl goose um i was running with him and after four miles my legs felt absolutely dreadful you know they they weren't getting any better and i thought i'm gonna get dropped in a minute um and after five miles, I thought there was a little bit of a hill and I thought, well, I'm going to get dropped anyway. So why don't I just push it hard up this hill and just, I don't even know why I did it, but I, I just did it because I thought I was going to get dropped. And I thought I'll just push it hard for a minute and just, you know, I, well, I just did it. Like it was spare at the moment. I didn't even think. Um, and all of a sudden he got dropped. And then I thought, oh my God, like he looked so strong. He looked like he wasn't. Stu even... was gone. Carl. Stu Carl, was a Carl, goner. Carl was goner, mate. He was, he was mint me. Like, and uh, I thought, wow, I was really not expecting that. Like I felt terrible and thought I was going to get dropped. He looked so good. He went backwards a little bit, you know, he lost like 10 seconds then. And then all of a sudden I started feeling good, but nothing changed. Like physically I was still the same, but mentally it was how I perceived it, wasn't it? That must've changed. Something inside mm -hmm, made exactly. me think he's not, he's obviously not feeling as good as what you thought he looked. So you must be feeling better than what you think because you've just got rid of him. You've just dispatched mm -hmm. him and he looked good. And in the end, I end up running away and I won it. And it was, I shouldn't have won it. I ran the last five miles quicker than what I did for the first. The last five miles were like harder. And I said to him at the end, I said, mate, you look so good. I said, you should have beat me in that. Like I felt terrible. I only pushed the pace because I thought I was going to get dropped. And mm -hmm. um, he was a bit disappointed, but you know, that was the first time I realized how much of an impact the mental bit has because I had no right to win that race. I shouldn't have. He looked better. But he obviously thought when I pushed it on the hill, oh, wow, Joe's feeling good. Look how quick he's gone up it. But I was about to, like, you know, slow jog it in after that. But when he fell off the pace, changed, felt good, won it. I uh, really I agree that a mental, the mental aspect of racing, and especially triathlon racing, is really big. I remember my first Ironman, uh, Ironman uh, Maastricht, um i had no experience and i did 170.3 triathlon leading into it the year before it and uh, i didn't really have any experience with uh, long distance racing so i just went in it with no expectations really well i told some friends that i wanted to do sub 9 30 but then the race was a non-wetsuit and at that time i really couldn't swim so can you imagine how bad that was <laughs> and um started the race the gun went off and i forgot my goggles my goggles were still with my mom and she was somewhere standing in the crowd with like two thousand people so ran into it i screamed mom mom can you imagine if you scream mom like 400 women will just look over the shoulder they'll be like what's up boy <laughs> um anyway managed to find my mom uh got the goggles went back 
And I think I was with the last 30 maybe people starting, it was a rolling start, started the race. And I said, I said to myself while swimming, all right, Tom, just enjoy this day. This is your first Ironman. Uh, no, you probably no did that on purpose. So you the, could slingshot past yeah. them all on the bike and get more of a draft benefit knowing you. So then on the bike, I had a really good bike. I remember I was always riding with a friend of mine, Volker, and he had a power meter. I installed the power meter three days before the race. And I, he always rode at 250 watts. So I thought, all right, I just need to hold the 250 watts because that's always what he did. So I could do that as well. Um, and for some reason, I could do it. Come, came off the bike. I had stomach cramps and all that. And then there was this, it was a, uh, a uh, British guy that came past me in the first few Ks on the run. His name is, maybe you know him, Jack Schofield from Tower 226. Tower 26. Uh, Tower twenty? No, not oh, tower twenty. Oh, is it not two tower, to six? Ta what is it? All oh, right, two, two, yeah, six, photography. Yeah. photography uh, he's yeah. into uh, uh, sports photography. He only he takes proper athlete pictures, so he won't take any of me. Oh, like, he doesn't take yeah. any photos or videos of me because he said he only deals with proper. Athletes, he also really so, hard yeah. to get on camera. Like it would would really take good angle light and especially the after edit. Maybe to get that's why he doesn't want to do it. He has to work too hard to get yeah. to make you look good. Like he'd rather go with Ruth Astle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he came past me on the run and he said, well, great bike. I'll see you after the finish line for uh, for a beer. But that race, I just started running and I had no clue what pace, what kind of marathon it would be. And it got, it got really mentally tough. But I thought as, as long as, as I can still run and I don't have any cramps, I'll just... I'm just going to keep going. And I ran my way up from seventh in my age group till first. Uh, and I came past Jack, I think 5K before the finish line. And he was, uh, he had the same battery story, I think, as what you had. Oh, did you say to him, focus on your photography, mate? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I um, most of the time when, when I struggle in a race mentally, I think back in that race, like um, one thing that I really, that really taught me that race is, so many things can happen. It's such a long race. At the, at the start, I forgot my goggles. And I was like, oh, my God, this race is over. But I managed to, like, win it. Um, I started to run with stomach cramps. Um, and I had a three or five marathon. So um, I really think about that race uh, when it gets tough during a, an Ironman. Like, so many things can happen. So yeah. if something goes wrong, and give I it think a go two and don't ways, give in. Um, to look at it, like, sometimes in an Ironman, you have a good race and people, a lot of people have a good race in their first one, don't they? By surprise, because I think part of it Can is you that, have a bad one. Of course, if you stop, you have a bad one, but if you yeah, but they don't, don't realize how, like sometimes a lot of people you see have their best Ironman is their first one. And I think a lot of that is due to like, they didn't realize how much it was going to hurt and it scars them for other ones. And they don't want to like, you know, push themselves <laughs> that hard. Um, you know, and then, uh, and it's super easy to tell yourself, Oh, if it's getting tough now, this hurts. Just step back a little bit. And every Ironman I've done, I've always had a bad patch. Like, I think it's normal in an Ironman that you will have a bad patch. Like, even the ones that I've won, even when I did Chattanooga and I was out there for eight minutes, I still had bad patches in it. Like, there was a point, there was points in the ride where I felt like I was going to get dropped. You know, Sam was pushing the pace and I felt terrible, you know, and I felt I was hanging on. And um, I don't know how he was feeling, but like... um then you go for a bit a little bit later and you feel good. And I think that's the thing. Like for me now, I've have, had so many. Well, sorry, what were you going to say? Have you, have you had a race um, where you gave in mentally, where you looked back at the results and you saw that the others cracked as well? And if you were, if you continued going, you would have had a shot. So the one, yeah, uh, the one that really springs to mind recently is Ironman Switzerland. 
and I don't know if I crap if like it would have been a different result, but I was running with Jan, or I was ahead of Jan. I I, I took a, I took the decision uh, in transition to not put socks on for the run because I knew he ran two thirty nine in Tulsa, and I wanted to take thirty seconds out of him, twenty thirty seconds, because I thought it could be crucial. Because when you're running like two thirty nine, two thirty eight, that thirty seconds is quite a lot. You know, it's a it's a lot extra if you're already mm-hmm. you know running that that speed. Um, and I got a thirty second lead in the end. You know, looking at transition results, so it worked out well. It took him like twelve k's, or yeah, about eleven, twelve, about twelve kilometers before he came past me. And um, my big mistake when he came past me was not going with it. But I was running quick. I was running five fifty miles, three thirty nine kilometer pace. Um, so I was already running way quicker than what I thought, which is like two thirty two, two thirty three marathon pace. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, he's not going to keep this up. He's going to blow up. So I let him go at that pace, what he was running. And I kept running at my pace. Um, in the end, I managed to get it down to eight seconds. So I had a second chance where I could have gone with him. I got it down to eight seconds at 26 kilometers. Literally, he was right in front of me. I timed it in my head eight seconds. And I should have put a bit more of a surge in. And I should have closed that gap. Because I listened to a podcast after where he explained how the race went. And I think if I'd have caught that, and he used good mental thoughts in his head, to keep ahead and that was really pushing him on so i think the mental aspect helped him but with me i got to eight seconds and i think if i'd have caught him at that eight seconds if i had to put a surge in he would have really doubted himself and he would have second guessed it and thought oh do i go with this joe's feeling really good he's caught me now he's gone mm-hmm. uh, i'll settle for second because we knew we had second in the bank and that's why i should have gone with it because even if i'd have blown up i would have still got second you know i was like eight minutes ahead I could have gone with that, put a surge in. If I had started blowing up a bit, I could have been like, all right, I'll walk an aid station, take in some nutrition, take in some drink, get get it all down, and then carried on running at 6.20, 6.30 mile, which was like 30 seconds slower. But I, I is, didn't close it. In, oh, sorry. in the end, it is indeed settling and giving in to the pain. Like, I mean, everyone that's listening to this and is into like triathlon or long distance racing or whatever gets this aspect. Normally, you wouldn't really get this in a five in a local 5K race because it's just too short to really start talking to yourself and get into like what's going on and that it really, really hurts. But um, after that bit, when I didn't close it, though, it still stayed at like it went up to like 15 seconds, 20 seconds all the way. And I could see the motorbike, see the motorbike and a bike with him. So you imagine like 20 seconds, the pace you're on an Ironman isn't that quick. So it was less than 100 meters away. It was about 80 meters. And the whole race... There was less than 30 seconds that separated us from the swim to all the bike to 40Ks on the run. And he pulled away at 40Ks. I, I folded, like I just slowed. Batteries. And the batteries ba- again. Batteries went and uh, he ran. <laughs> and I remember the moment where there was a little out and back on the course. You did the course as well. You know, in the cobbled street, there was a cobbled street that you went down and you mm-hmm. had to do this little out and back. And I came up the cobbled street, about to do the out and back. He was right next to me when I went there. He looked to see where I was. And I saw him and I looked, oh, we looked eyes together and his eye, I, I saw the look in his eye and it was like, I've won. And in the same point, my, my thought was, ah, oh, fuck, I've got second. There's nothing I can do. He's beaten me. And I was so annoyed. Done. I, I, I <laughs> um, already sensed that you were mentally weak back in Embrun because this one time um, we did a Q&A on the gram, a free one. And um, I asked everyone which session we should do, A or B. And session A was something like 21 minute efforts. And session B was a whole mixture of things like two minutes, four minutes, five minutes. And you wanted to do that session. But that's a, that was that, the hardest session, though. It, 
No, it wasn't a horror yeah, session. You wanted to do that session as well. The other one was boring. You even said it. Like You said it was boring, <laughs> said and I said you was... don't want it because you're mentally weak, and you said, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but after that race in Switzerland anyway, Laura said to me afterwards, she's my partner, she said, oh, I've seen you look a lot worse after races like that. You, I don't think you pushed it as hard as you could have. And I did feel a bit rough. I did feel, I've, I mean, I felt broken, but then I kind of thought, maybe, like, did I give up mentally? You, you always know? you always start to think afterwards, did I, if you had, if you had a moment like that, did I gave in? Should that I race, close the gap? What or... I will say about that race is, though, that race fueled the fire for the win in Chattanooga because all mm-hmm. I kept thinking about in my training after I got back into training on the Thursday, proper training, Thursday after that race, did really solid 10 days training. Like I was so motivated. I was so angry. I kept thinking about that race. Like, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to get beaten again. And that got some quality training, probably the best 10 days training I've ever had. And going into Chattanooga, I was so ready for that race. I was like, I'm coming here to win. Like, you know, like that was it. It was win or nothing. I was all in for it. But that was fueled by the disappointment in Switzerland because I felt like I was in great shape. You know, I run the mm-hmm. best ever marathon and I got beaten. That's why it's hard. You know, if I'd have blown up and not done as good a race, I wouldn't have been so disappointed. But I felt like I had a great race. Run 2.36 on the Garmin. Like the course was a bit long. Um, but so I couldn't have done any more. It was better than I exceeded. Still got beaten. That was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, can imagine. Um, I I know how it feels to mentally break someone because I've done it at, at one race. Well, hey, here really... we go, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in New Zealand, we had a pal from Brazil oh. race as well. And um, I remember, I think before the race, we had lunch or something. Let me and... just uh, let me just build this story out a bit before you get into it. Because, right, we're this guy. I know now who he's talking about. We're gonna, we'll call him Bruno for argument's sake. So we were in New Zealand. And uh, Bruno was a friend of one of a guy who we were staying with, uh, Brazilian guy, proper Ironman age grouper. You know the type. Like he was in the zone. He was there for Kona qualification. He wasn't there to make friends. His family were back home, and his goal was, <laughs> "I'm here for Kona. I don't want to make any friends." And Tom, being like a young lad, bit of a like uh, a frat boy, you know, like uh, was w- was winding him up. And uh, for some reason, at the house, I can't remember how we started doing it, but Tom started doing this junkyard dog just give us a sound over the junkyard dog and then i'll pass it back over to you <laughs> that, was, that was what he did so yeah over to you how did it go between you and bruno because like you know you kind of like got your uh you got what your wires so, crossed a bit um basically what he said was because he is a, a phenomenal swimmer he said well i'm going to swim something like 50 minutes and then i'll just ride my pace on the bike and then whenever tom's come comes past I'm, I'm a better cyclist I'll just sit on his wheel and I uh, I'll outrun him on the on the marathon. So uh, I had a but you a... really wind him up, mate, before the start because you told him you were going to do eight hours thirty. And let's just say oh, when Tom no, was I saying all this hours, stuff, I said eight hours forty five. Oh yeah, 45. and they were like, no way, you'll never do that. You'll never do that. And just the thing is, Tom says this, but what he doesn't tell you is he was doing this junkyard dog sound to mark to bruno at the pool so like for some reason he started doing it to, to to him in his face you know and like he was like whoa what's this guy on like you know is he is he challenging me and me and my friend were laughing and we're like tom if you catch bruno on the bike please do the junkyard dog like it's hilarious sure. it'll be so funny he had a great swim but i had the swim of my life as well i swam 56 minutes i was only three minutes down i had a quick transition so i think like 10 k's in on the bike i caught him and I rode past past him, and then I start barking like a junkyard dog. 
Go on, just say again. Just remind me. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine. You wouldn't deny him, man. And he comes past you and you already think he's a cocky young lad and he barks at you like a junkyard dog. <laughs> and I, I would have thought that he really uh, would have seen that it was kind of a joke, wasn't it? Like It, it was be, a I joke. Mean, we were laughing, but he did not say like that. If somebody would ride past me and bark like a dog, I would piss my pants. But he, I think he broke and uh, in the end he managed to qualify for Kona, but he wasn't really... He uh, didn't talk to us after that. No, he wasn't. He, really he wouldn't there. talk to us. And he told uh, the other guy that we were staying with that he wanted to punch you. He was enraged really? by you, mate. He said he did that thing. And uh, our friend said, what what thing did he do? And he goes, you know, that thing, he barked at me like a dog. Uh, <laughs> and he said, oh, you know, he's just joking around, you know, because uh, our friend told me, you know, he said, you know, he's really angry with Tom. Like he wants to punch him. And I'm like, really? What did, what did you say? He said, I calmed it down. I calmed it down. But Tom, mate, you nearly got taken out by the bloody... Uh, brazilian mafia mate like you're lucky <laughs> only but i think I, you did break like... him tom broke him mentally though he was saying these times what he was going to hit he was like barking like a dog at the guy and the guy is a decent guy you know like he's uh he's, he's a, a fast guy yeah. but tom just crushed his soul i think in and that i race. managed to raise 840 so uh kind of did what i told him as well so he can't wipe me up on that afterwards anyway let's get on with the next subject um the bullshit buster joe we're going on with the bullshit buster. What's the bullshit buster? And I've got a new one for this week. You've got the classic age grouper or pro saying, so they're standing in a group of friends, triathletes, and they'll be like, yeah, this weekend is my C race. I'm just going to train through it. I'm just going to train through it. You know, it's just... Oh, a, it's I remember just you saying that. It's, <laughs> that <laughs> this is, is a C race. something that really grinds my gears because it's all well and good having like a C race or a B race thing. But you don't really say, put it out there, do you? Like in my eyes, if you've turned up to a race and you've gone and you've turned up to it and you're in training, you go there and you give it the best you've got on that day, you know, and whatever happened, you know, if you if you've got all these excuses like C race, D race, Z race, whatever, you take it on the chin. And if you get beaten, you get beaten, you know, but coming out with it saying, oh, it's my C race and I've trained right through this. It's <laughs> like, well, it's a loser's mentality from the start, isn't it? You know, you just... Fair enough, you might train for it, but if you were that tired, don't turn up to the bloody race. Stay at home and do a training session. That's how I think, you know, like when you put yourself on that start line, you're there to give your best on the day and you you take away that reason to give an excuse. You know, there's no excuses. If you get beaten, same with you get beaten and you have a bit of a blow up in the race. I think you should have the balls to congratulate the person who beat you and say you were the better man on the day. But you can't come up giving it like C race, B race, you know, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it might be and to you. Of course, you can you can use a race as a training, like a seventy point three. Yeah, you use it as a training. Ironman, but it is a race. But a it's race a race. Is a race. And yeah, you give it everything, and you give it's it everything like, on that day, and you take it on the chin. No if you excuses. get beaten, then there's no excuses. You get no beaten C fair and square. Excuses. Exactly. Like you know, I've turned up to races, and obviously, it's not like it's not my big target. But if I'm turned up in the race, I'm going to give it my best on the day. And I wouldn't dream of saying to someone, you know, it was only a C race, you know, or something like that, or like thing, because it kind of like takes a shine off off them, doesn't it? And, you know, like if you're there on the day, you, you know, if I was that, if I had that much of an excuse or I didn't, I thought I was going to do bad, just stay at home and do some training. You know, you don't need to do that. No excuses. No, no C excuses. racing. This bullshit is busted. <laughs> 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 so, um, Joe, Last week, we uh, stumbled around on Instagram again, and we came uh, across this again, didn't we? Yeah, and you found a, a, a pretty lady, didn't you? Well, um, <laughs> I found... He's attracted a, to the pretty ladies on Instagram. <laughs> no, I, I found a, a post that, that gave me so many questions. And before we're getting into this, 
head over to our triathlon mockery instagram page give that one a follow and we're going to share this post because it needs a bit of like visualization you need to see what we're talking about it is a race triathlon brazil someone's filming this lady and she's running around racing in a thong that's probably why Bruno hasn't been to Europe anymore or uh, or America to race because he just stays there because all the girls race in thongs <laughs> and they don't bark at him well, like a dog. <laughs> when I saw that video of her racing in a thong, I had so many questions. The first one was, what's her pace? What's she running? The second one was, what was her power on the bike? And um, Did she get chased? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I think... That's also the reason why the males wear the bib shirt, the, the bib numbers on the, on the front, don't they? Yeah, the males must wear in Brazil their bib numbers over the front of their like willy when they're racing because they'll probably get a hard on if all these girls are racing on like thongs, wouldn't they? You know, come on, like, should, should be illegal. I mean, we're not allowed <laughs> to put the zipper down our our our, uh, our uh, breastbone. They can race in bloody thongs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. I bet there's definitely a lot more men that turn up to race them races than females. <laughs> they exactly. must sell out. I've got my uh, race schedule on for next year. I'm doing Ironman Brazil and seventy point three Brazil. <laughs> Couple of Olympic distances, <laughs> also in Brazil. Couple <laughs> 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 of training camps, <laughs> training camp at altitude. Anyway, in we'll we'll show the show the Instagram page. You can give her a follow if you're really interested in uh, her run paces and all that. Are we allowed to get uh, people to help us as well with Instagram post of the week? Like, can they course, send it to us? Like, DM you, us. Like, if you on see the slide? a gem, send it in on the triathlon mockery Instagram page, and we'll stumble around. We'll uh, have a few Zoom meetings before it, and uh, next week it can be a dude in thong, it can be a girl. We don't care. Whatever it is, as long as it's funny. Right? Yeah, that sounds good to me, mate. I think so too. I think this is a, a great closure of the week. And we'll be seeing each other next week, don't we? Yeah, catch you next week, mate.